first record artist on the series and a poet. Hello Lovett, welcome to the Poet Box series. Glad to have you here. Hello Aisha, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. That's so good to know. Well, I've personally been looking forward to this interview for a while now because I'm a huge fan of you and your work and I've been looking forward to us talking and getting to know you better. So I'll be reading your bio to our listeners because what we do here is that we read the bios of our poets or what's our poets, our guests. And this is so that our listeners know who we're going to be talking to just before the interview begins, just to get to introduce you to listeners a bit more before we start. So Lord Liberty is an award-winning spoken word poet and singer. Wow. She was the winner of Kuba God Talent Season 2 and the 2019 Slam Champion of Poetry Festival Calabar. In her words, for every performance you kill, you resurrect the arts. She prides herself on being your favorite performance poet. Her debut spoken word poem, Local Gear, was released in January 2020. Lovett is currently studying English in Nasara State University, Kefi. Thank you, Aisha. Thank you for being a fan of my work, for listening through to my stuff. I'm honored. People like you are why we do this. Thank you for doing what you do, Lovett. It's awesome and it's wonderful that you're also as excited as I am to do this interview. So. Let's begin. What was your childhood like? Were there books? Did you write when you were a child? Uh, were there books? No, they weren't. Um, but my pops um, liked speaking big English and I, I knew that I liked it. I've always liked people talking. I said people that talks fluently. Yes, I. one of my favorites um, part of being in adult church yeah because in my church we had children hall and adult hall was the testimony my favorite part of like after children hall i go for um, i just picture on adult hall and they do testimony during testimony you hear people talk and people used to speak english and i used to like <laughs> the sound of people talking just talking especially those ones that not speak english like my pops you know my dad used to um like using um polysyllabic words and I used to like it, so it it wasn't books for me, no. But I used to. I started reading novels in primary school. You know, we used to call it novels. It's, it's novels. I, I liked reading novels in primary school. Um, primary five, primary three, primary five especially, reading books and you know from that period, you know, girls are um, teenage girls usually around that period from primary five to like SS. There were books we were reading, especially Halloween romance. Um, you know, those big, big foreign books that used to have fine cover pages. So that was it for me, reading books. But it wasn't like my childhood, childhood. It was more like my teenage days. So my influence, if, if I had any childhood influence, 
for what I do right now. It wasn't exactly books. It was that my pops knew how to talk, knew how to speak the English language, and I found that fascinating, the sound of his voice. And I grew to like the sound of my voice, too. Oh, uh, I guess we can say that it was your pops. I don't know if I can call him pops, too. That influenced you into um, becoming a spoken word artist and doing what you do now. And I love that you, and I'm glad that you mentioned and talked about um, Harley Quinn romance because that was that was a huge part of my my childhood too, or let me say my teenage life too. And I think it's all Nigerian girls. I don't know whether it's something that's peculiar to all of us, but then. From that age gap that you mentioned, primary five to SS1 to 3. And I'm sure we're not supposed to read those books because most of them had a lot of sex scenes. But then we were, all of us were obsessed with Harley Quinn romance, Mills and Boone. It was, it was good. So you, you, I can say that you had a very, um, a very lively childhood, a very, um, a childhood influenced by public speaking and all of that, especially when you mentioned the testimony part because I feel like that's a good place. I've not been I've not been to church like I don't go to church regularly, but then I've been to church sometime and I've seen people give testimonies and I feel like that's a very good place or a very good way for people to practice public speaking. Yeah, yeah, it it is. Um church even children hall, like like my children department in church that year. Um we used to do testimonies. They used to teach us like emphasize on people giving thanks to God, testifying about God's work. So testimonies were really, really a, a good place. I, I, I think that there's never been a time when I wasn't on stage, from children choir to testimony to FCS in school. Yeah, like testimony parties. You know, you know how we Christians believe you give thanks to God and you do more. So like FCS, you said I have to coordinate um testimony because or i had to coordinate special numbers or but i had a lot of there were a lot of times when i was used to being on stage from childhood i was in children's choir to fcs to mass there was this mass choir i was yeah you know i i sing too yeah there was this mass choir i was in so i was like the walishonika of you know when we wanted to write letters it's love it when we want to do some stuff that required us arranging words together. It's me. They used to call me Supri Supri. So, <laughs> Supri Supri, I, I don't know if you know what that means. Well, Supri Supri is basically the, the person that used to speak English and all of that. So, it's always, there've always been that point in my life where I had to talk. But it was until, um, it was three years after secondary school before I discovered poetry. And even when I knew that I liked talking and I liked the sound of my voice, I did not know there was something as, there was a thing as spoken word poetry until 2016. Having said all of this, um, how did, how did all of this, the Harley Quinn novels or novels, as she said, uh, as you called them, the your dad speaking um, a lot of big grammar and um, the testimonies in adult church. How did all of this lead you to the path of poetry? In all honesty, 
I can't categorically say how it all led me here, but one thing I've discovered, I have realized in life is everything, every step you take or you did not take is leading you somewhere. And I, I, I can however say that I, I know it's just building up to this place, like looking back in retrospect, um, <clears throat> because as I said, I liked the sound of my voice. I liked to talk. Whatever will put me on the spot, whatever will, will, will have people listening to me, I liked it. From special number, from coordinating um, FCS um, services, you know, every Friday in school, from debates, competitions. Like, I had my days of debate competitions. Like, <laughs> I'm saying it, like, with such emphasis because debate competitions were one of the formative processes if 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 that's the word for me in secondary school from just one to like ss3 i was actively a debate person going for competitions because i like to talk and at the, at the point i this wanting to be heard this wanting to talk was so however means sensible was what made me think that i was going to be a lawyer Yes, so for three years, I kept applying for law, applying for law until, you know, God just helped me realize that I actually do not want to be a lawyer. I actually just wanted to be a public speaker and spoken word was it particularly. So all this liking people talk, liking to watch people talk, liking the sound of my voice, liking to be on stage, having people listen to me, all this was building me up to this place, even singing, the whole wanting to be charismatic you know how people just stay quiet and listen to me was building up to this place and then reading books um you know literature is beautiful like reading those books there were you could see you could see characters like you could see these characters see their person you are able to meet different personalities in the book and sometimes and you you just you just feel like you feel like you know this this person you, you feel like you've seen something like that and for the books especially what it helped me what it helped me with was the human story at the end of the day art is i think the core of art is communicating the human story the human experience though so this book i read that i've never forget i don't think it's the halloween move in book i can't remember i think i borrowed it from a friend it's titled oceans apart and that book is my all-time favorite i think um it's it's I'm, I'm i'm saying like i can't really really remember everything about the book but something about the book still stick right so the human story reading books exposed me to the human story watching people talk made me realize i wanted to talk and talking made me realize that i was meant for this like and it, it's made me realize that it's not wrong that i wanted people to listen to me it's not wrong that i liked the sound of my voice somebody said it was wrong one time the guy said it's pride that is being vain <laughs> but you get it um watching people talk made me know i really love to talk and i want to be heard and reading books helped me see how we can communicate the human story through literature. <laughs> I 
I think it's, I think that person that said that it's pride and you're being vain for liking to talk and liking the sound of your own voice. I feel like that person is completely wrong. No offense to the person, the person never listens to this, but I feel like we as people, we need to love ourselves wholly, completely. We need to love who we are. And I feel like if you love yourself, if you like yourself, you would like the sound of your own voice and you would be you would be happy to communicate and to talk to people and i feel like that's part of living that's that's what living is all about talking and communicating with people because i mean how else do you live life how else do you know when someone is living if they don't talk if they don't do anything if they don't, if they don't socialize i feel like that is living that is what happens when you live you talk you express yourself and for um a lot of us a lot a lot of people don't like the sound of their own voice they don't like talking so it's a it's a good thing it's i feel like it's complete it's a very good thing that you like to talk like you like the sound of your own voice i think it's really cool that you like the sound of your own voice because for a lot of us we don't like the sound of our own voice <laughs> and we just we, we can't stand listening to ourselves talk so i think it's a really cool thing i don't i don't mind the guy <laughs> And if, and regards um, your, you mentioning that everything that you do and everything that we do leads um, to something and leads us and to a particular path. And I think that's, that's very apt because it's, that's just how life is. And I feel like that's a very um, profound comment to make. So um, what's your writing schedule like? Could you tell us? for instance, how you develop your written works, spoken word pieces, or even how you write the poems from scratch. Could you walk us through that? Um, okay, in all sincerity, but I don't think I exactly have this writing schedule. Um, I write one by inspiration, two by duty, and sometimes by experimentation. Um, so, for inspiration, I feel just there and something just comes to me, right? I just want to write about it. Um, by duty, I get gigs, I get jobs, right? So I have to write or I'm going for an event. Like there was this time Abuja Detroit Society did, um, there was this open mic we had and we were doing a tribute, it was like a tribute to one of our um, stakeholders. I think that's what I call, <laughs> call it. Um, so... I had to change. I had to change. I was. I was. I was supposed to perform a different prom. I had to change to a different song. So something like that is a duty. It's. It's not like a gig. Yeah, I was going to explain. It's not like a gig, but I had to be there for that event. So by duty, I felt okay. I should write about life and death as was demanded that every performer did that night. So for duty, I probably get a job get a gig get a performance or sometimes i go online and something is maybe something there's there's, there's a, a similitude to the thought of my news feed and news feed and i write other times is by experimentation so um maybe i have i want to write about something i've not really written before 
there were two times i've done that twice because this time i had to perform at um what's it called um i think national pharmacy Minini, minini, something like that i think they had a conference for all the pharmacists in abuja and i had this gig and i had to write something for that kind of event and it's rare so i had to experiment what it'd be like writing for something that's not comfortable um something that's not comfortable or something that's not like me the other time was um when i had to write it's also for a job i wrote for um sustainable development goals i think that's what it's called yeah i wrote um a partnership so usually i do not exactly have a schedule i just write recently i've not written i've not written since for like three weeks or one month like new pieces have been performing old pieces i've not written a poem from start to finish i go to go on my notepad and i scribble stuff but like write the poem from start to finish i've not done that that in a while so in in a case like this that i've not written in a while i i, I would place myself on a schedule because i feel like i have a lot of things to do so it's in cases like this that have been on a long break that I put myself in a schedule knowing that I have lots of things to cover up. There was this time I, this same thing happened to me around the lockdown. Um, I didn't write from March to April, mid-April, and I had to do a challenge. I had to do two weeks challenge, two weeks challenge, two weeks challenge with three, three prets. So we were writing every day for two weeks, writing every day for two weeks. I had a three badge of two weeks challenge so those uh that that's what it's usually like when i have to write on a schedule you get well besides that i just write i just know i have to write especially when i am i do not okay i know i should have a schedule i know there should be sort of like um a because because I'm, i tend to pursue this professionally i am pursuing it so there should be a schedule should be a calendar should be a structure to it i know there should be but there is not however the safe landing for me is that usually i listen to spoken word every day so what that does to me is help me write so tell me how can i how can i listen to spoken word poetry for a month or two for for for, for an hour sorry for an hour or two and not write it's almost impossible like i'm listening to to a spoken word piece and then something just hits me so i have to uh, minimize from my video player to my notepad so that's usually what it's like that's why i said i usually write from inspiration yeah so when i'm i'm, I'm writing or reading or listening to a poetry audio or video i just feel inspi inspired to write so i go on to write that's why i write that regularly but now that i've not been writing regularly i place myself on a schedule or a chat on a challenge I, I i should get there's this friend of my half she's a great poet too so after our exams our exams are ending um the end of march 31st so after that we are we have a one month writing challenge so that <clears throat> that's what it's like that's what's going to be no schedule per se just writing every day until there's a schedule in need for it just vibes i guess um but you you do have a bit of 
a structure, a form of structure in the way that you do things. And I've, I've talked to about five people on here on the Poets Box series, and all of you have given me the same answer. Every single time I asked you guys, um, what's your writing schedule? What's your writing schedule? The, the answer I get is, I don't really have a writing schedule. I don't really have a writing schedule. So I can I can say, I think I can proudly say now that it's poets, even if they're, even if they seem to be all like, it's writing poetry or doing poetry seems to be like a, a very structured system. It's not really as structured when the writing is being done. So, but I think in your case, you're the first person that I've seen or I've met anywhere at all that says that she listens to uh, spoken word poetry every day. And I think that's really nice because it would definitely, like you said, it's impossible for you to listen to an hour of spoken word and not be inspired to write something. So I feel like this in itself is your form of, is your writing schedule, even if it's not the typical writing schedule. So what role does research play in your poetry? Or do you research or do you not research? Do you just write things? Because I met, I um I remember that you mentioned that you wrote something for um sustainable development goals uh partnership for a sustainable development goals partnership. So when you're doing this kind of jobs or when you're doing your jobs generally, do you research your works? Um research. I do research and uh, yeah, especially for some jobs. However, I try to listen to myself. Okay, like I'll explain. Um, sometimes when I research a particular theme or topic, I feel I feel like I want to pick everything from the internet or pick everything from what I've read. I don't know if you get, if you understand or if you can relate. So though this time I was supposed to do a job for um, an Igbo community right, Amidbo. So I was supposed to do a job for a spoken word poem, yeah, for this project. And my mentor reached out to me. Okay. <laughs> I went to the internet. I downloaded videos. I researched and researched the Igbo people. Blah, blah, blah. Igbo, Igbo, Igbo. <laughs> for like a week. In fact, for, for weeks. What, what was I trying to research? You get. So my mentor just told me okay calm down you are an evil person i know you want to get your facts right i know you want to get your stats right right but just listen to yourself at the end of the day you are who we want to hear it is you want to listen to what you think about this so i do research a lot no not a lot in, in all honesty depends on the topic or depends on who is giving me the job like the other time i did with um i did partnership I was researching so after the research what i've discovered research does to me when i write from what i've read from research i i, I begin to sound like somebody writing an article than a spoken word poet you get like i'm saying this i'm saying that i'm saying this but i don't feel like it's me that's why sometimes i don't even research a lot i just write and write and write then I go back to research. Like I write before I research. Because if I if I do research before I write, I will feel like I don't know enough about the topic. Like generally I had to do I when I went to Mina Slam, yeah I actually came first at the end of the day. 
um, they give us themes to write about um, rape, mental health, and violence. For mental health, for rape and violence is something I've seen firsthand. I've witnessed it in many societies and in these are societies and you, you get and we talk about it. We talk about violence and we talk about rape. But for mental health, we don't talk about it a lot. So I had to research mental health. I went on YouTube. I went on Opramini and Chrome. I kept researching and researching. And then you go and see um, psychiatrists psychopathic, psycho this, psycho that. I was like, okay, love it. Are you sure you know enough to write about this? You get so that's what research does to me. Of course it helps me see and know things, but it it has more of the disadvantage reflecting on my act at that time. You get at that time. At the end of the day, when you research you know and you take this knowledge with you and it's beautiful. But for me, when I'm researching before I write makes me feel like I don't know enough about that topic. I like I will never I will never feel like I know enough to write about it. I will never feel like as much as I am writing on that, I will never feel like I know enough to write about it. And whatever I write, whatever poem I write from that research, I always feel like it's poorly baked. Like I've I've barely gone back to that mental health poem. I've barely gone back to that partnership. I just keep it there. Sometimes I just pray that I experience things or like I experience things on a level before I write about it more than research. Experience does it for me more than research. Now I can talk about partnership because last year I did a lot of collaborations. A lot of my projects that went out came out was from with people, partnering with people, collaborating with people. Right. So I can actually talk about it now better because I've experienced it. But last year, at the time I got the job, I had barely partnered with people. So it felt like I was talking about something technical, something I didn't know, especially for concerns, business and everything. So it made me feel like I didn't know enough to talk about it. So sometimes when I have a topic to write about and I feel like I don't know enough of it, I just ask myself instead of going to uh, going to the search engine, I just ask myself, babe, have you experienced this in one way or the other do you understand i just ask myself have you do you think you've had an had a mental health issue do you think you've done partnership before what do you think as an evil person what do you feel right this is this, these are things i could have asked myself rather than going to the search engine you get maybe i would have researched it much later maybe when i'm settled into the poem but researching before a poem is not really good for me but I have to do it anyway because you need to know your topic before you talk about it. Okay, first, I, I'm i completely shocked that you're involved. I never knew that you were. I always thought that you were from Middle Belt or something like that. So I'm. this is shocking for me. And I, I get I get what you, you're saying about um, research. Research can be really messed up, can be really complicated. It's the part of writing that really get to writers because you feel like okay you know something and then you start writing and you know nothing about that particular topic and then you have to research because you have issues um understanding what you're researching and for what you're saying about how you sound artificial it can't be it can be like that because you're just writing about facts you don't really understand it you haven't really experienced it so and when you said that you it's going to be hard for you to write about things that you haven't experienced i feel like this is something that you would learn later on because a lot of writers write about things that 
a lot of writers poets they write about things that they haven't experienced and then it still feels like they experienced it you get so i think it's something that you would learn as you grow as a writer and a poet i think it's something that would come to you okay so i know with every poet there is a community there's a gang or as as Thames would say i got a gang me i know <laughs> so um I'm sure you have these people. You mentioned your mentor. So are there people like this? I'm sure these people exist already, but I'm going to ask again. Are there friends you share your works with, um, your unfinished works with? Are there people that your gang that you share your unfinished works with, people that read the works that, that are just coming from your head that might be scattered or whatnot? Are there, do these people exist in your life? And how important is having these people to you? Um, if there are people or there are persons or there's a gang that listen to my work or read them before I put them out or when they're coming straight from my head, yes, they are. Um, but not as a gang per se. Um, there's one person particularly that reads my work, which is my first teacher. Um, and my friend, my best friend at the moment, he reads my work when it's coming straight from my head. Like, you know, when you just, when you just have a brain dump. Yeah, that's what, what I call it or what um, some people call it. When I'm, I just have a brain dump, like I, something is just coming, I just write it down. He reads them at that point. However, it's just him that reads it straight from my head. My mentor, my teachers, and the authorities in my life, poetry-wise, I don't just send them my brain dump. I have to do a couple of work and get what I think qualifies for a first draft before I put them out. I don't have a lot of people that read my work first draft, no. You have to be very, very, very close to me or very responsible for me before you read my work so my best friend reads my work when it's coming straight from my head reads my brain dump reads my first draft for my mentor reads my first draft my second draft we just work through the poem together you get but i don't have a lot of people i think um i i know some people that do some people share i i belong to a literary society abuja literary society so there's this critic group so sometimes I, I post my work on there, sometimes, very few times, you know, honestly. Um, sometimes I post my work there when I know I am ready to collect whatever um, suggestions or critique I can get. When I feel I'm ready, you know, you have to be mentally prepared or mentally open to receive suggestions from, you know, basically strangers you get because you you know you know your work is pressing out to you well mine is so i don't just put out my work out there however besides my my when my work has passed the first draft second draft third draft and i have memorized it i think i am ready to share it with the world i go to this same jewish society i go for open mics and i perform the poem and they critique the poem at that point when i am ready to put it out i they critique it at that point and I still have a lot of work to do from their critique. Like they tell you, okay, I think this could do better. I think this was not good. I think 
this is good but can be changed and all of that you should attend one of our open mics right and see what the critics um are like there but i don't share my work to such wide a community at the first point i share with just a couple of very few persons my best friend for for a constant and share my draft to my mentors and when i'm ready to share it to the world i take it to als open mic and perform it there and hear what they have to say before i probably go to the studio to record i think it's i think it's cool that you have this one person that you share your brain down to because it's very rare it's hard for people or it's hard for um poets writers to share their works that's just coming from their head instantly because most of the time you're either like not sure of it or you're or you're too afraid to share it i think it's cool that you have that person that you can easily share things that are just coming from you at that moment so i think it's it's good it's a good thing and i would consider i would say that having ALS, the Abuja Literary Society, it's kind of like having a gang because these are the people that read your works that not everybody gets to read. These are the people that see works that you won't perform on open mic stages. I'm sorry, um, on your on stages that are like maybe commission jobs and things like that. These are the people that get to see that side of you, this different side of Lovett Liberty. So you can say that they're a gang. I feel like, I, I feel like they're a gang, but if you don't consider them a gang, it's, it's cool. It's still cool. So um, how do you manage your time? Because you're a student. So how do you manage your time between writing, performing, studying, and then some other hobbies? And if these hobbies exist, could you, could you um, walk us through some of the stuff you do at size writing, studying english and performing um first off i don't do a lot of things uh, my life can be easily categorized into three poetry study and business it's not like i used to study so well though let me be sincere i don't exactly like school or the whole routine of school i'm not usually around school that's how honest it can it can get it's not like i'm proud of it but um I am seeking to pursue poetry professionally and it comes at a very high cost for me. The good side is I stay close to Abuja where most of my jobs are. Most of the gigs I get are within Abuja except of course I have it's it's a it's a writing gig and I just have to write and send. Um thing is sometimes I don't manage my time well. Sometimes I actually think I don't give I, I haven't achieved balance. I don't think I manage my time well as I should, in all honesty. Um, no matter what we have to do, we still have 24 hours in a day. It cannot be more. <laughs> I don't think God would wake up and increase it to like 30 hours a day. Still, I would say I would choose to give poetry priority over and again. School is important to me in that i need the certification however i i i give it third place so in all of my mismanagement of time poetry for me business for me and school business for me because school have come for a second yeah 
but business for me because I need to support my mom in supporting myself, right? And I need to support my poetry. You need money to pursue poetry. Yes, you need money to pursue poetry. You need money to create content and everything. And I I cannot, I don't know. I don't think, it's not a thing of if I, I can wait to finish school and all. I, I can wait, yes, but the world will move on, sort of like move on. And I am trying to build a life for me before, um, build a life, build a, a fan base, a, a, a customer base, so that when I leave school, I have something to fall back on. When I leave school, I want to start pursuing poetry professionally. There is something I can, I can build on, right? So I don't exactly manage my time well. Let's be sincere. You know, some some people. That yet last week we had this paper, and I was chatting with um a friend, um, a classmate of mine who, who takes us um, tutorials, you know, it's exam period and this guy, this guy like me, like literature, um, he's part of our Creative Writers Association here in Kefi and he was talking about how he admires me and what I do and, okay, DK Chukumariji just called me, okay, I just called DK Chukumariji about the interview we, I, um, ALS was um, going to have me on their book jam. So I just made the call with DK Chukumariji, trying to reschedule, right? I was supposed to, um, since they were interviewing me 7 to 9, I, I called him to see if they would actually push me for later, maybe around 8 or thereabouts, because I had exam 3 to 6 and tutorials 6 to 8. So I called DK Chukumariji to reschedule, if they can have me much later. And I went back to the guy. We were chatting about um, books and spoken word poetry. And... Um, you could see in his eye that oh, I, I actually admire you. Uh, you even know somebody like Diggy Chikwege and all of that. And he was wondering, um, and okay, the, 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 the conversation came up um, about having to choose between school and poetry. Then I told him, I hate, I hate to do this. I hate to have to choose, but I have to choose because right now I, I cannot do a lot. I cannot I cannot give a lot of myself to all of them equally. So I'm saying I don't really manage my time well. Some things have to suffer. Yeah, some things have to suffer. Sometimes it's poetry that suffer for school. Sometimes it's school that suffer for poetry. Sometimes it is my business. Like for the last one month, I've not been doing any business. School and poetry, school and poetry. But in all of that, I am trying, I'm trying to see if I can get a bit of balance. It's not really working as it should, but I'm trying. And for hobbies, I don't do much. I like to cook. I like to cook, but um, except I am in, I'm in the family house where I have to, I have to cook because it's a duty. Um, another hobby don't come. Another hobby don't come in in front of all of these things. It's music. It's poetry. It's school and it's business for me. And I just do them. I, I pray for grace to manage my time better. But right now, we'll have to make do with what we have. I think we need to get you some hobbies. And we need to get you something that you do to have fun besides doing all of this. And I can completely understand um, what you're going through. Because it's not always easy to to have um these two things clash there's on one end you getting a certificate helping out your mom that's your duty basically and then there's your passion so you can't pick one over the other and it can be very it can put you in such a position that would be very difficult 
So you mentioned um, talking to Duketu Kumereje. I think it's it's kind of apt to ask you what or which contemporary poets inspire you. Um, it's it's, it's um, is that like which one or can I have a list? I think I have a list of like five of um, contemporary poets that inspire me strongly. Um, okay, I will start with my immediate um, community. Um, Abuja Detroit Society. <clears throat> DK Chikumari J is there's okay, there's something about him exactly that inspires me that goes beyond his art, and that's his humility. I think DK Chikumari is one of the most respected poets in Africa. Still, DK Chikumari J comes to ALS, Abuja Detroit Society, almost every weekend and and gives his all in teaching and advising people like one of the things that that that's still keeping me that will be keeping me in Abuja Detroit society is their openness to teach to help and to grow um talent for poetry especially as it concerns me every time i try to perform in the open mic and we see big fishes in the art open their mouth to to correct to teach to applaud young people like myself bash i mean any also these people are not your mates <laughs> like these people are not your mates they are traveled they are one of the pioneers they are the veterans in the game yet they still come to abuja Detroit society and they are selfless in in growing people bash holds a master class almost every three months or sometimes monthly he has a WhatsApp group that he teaches us. Like there's this poetry appreciation group. He he like I'm looking at these people and I'm wondering, after all your achievements, you guys are still here. You get like they even talk to you, like they talk to you, Bash even shares drinks with us sometimes. And you know you people are not made though, but their humility and their readiness to teach you almost for nothing, like it's it's priceless. So they inspire me in this way. Like you know how Nigeria is. Okay, you know how achievement, success in itself changes people. That's the truth. But these people, as successful as they are, they still come to ALS, ALS meetings almost five times a month, five weekends in a month and share themselves and teach and grow. Like there's no, there's no, they are not in any on any high horse saying you know i'm better than you and all that they just teach and it inspires me a lot and their art of course their poetry is um for dk chukumeje it's it's simple it's subtle i, I think dk believes your poetry doesn't have to be confusing or too complex for it to be beautiful and impactful or excellent so i take that with me yes i take that with me especially it has inspired me in a lot of way. I grew, I, my poetry um, grew in a church. Like I was invited for a lot of church performances. And some, some of these church folks do not understand poetry. Do not know. Okay, let's start with do not know. Yeah, I know uh, my first influence for poetry was um, P4CM. So it's like a church, um, a church community that does poetry. And that's outside the country. Here, you come to Nigeria, some of them do not know what poetry is. Some of them just tell you, I like the talk you do or motivational speaking or rap or whatever that was you, you did there. I liked it. But they don't know what it is. So what I have learned from people like DK's poetry is, um, is the simplicity and yet impact of 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 poetry how he marries 
simple for strong it has inspired me yeah besides his humility then for bash bash is bash is simple and complex in a balance i don't know how to explain that that's as these people are not your need to it comes from it comes from experience and failing and and getting up i wonder bash bash's poetry is is beautiful it's not it's not so simple it's not so complex it's just um you know a marriage of both and um there's also ruth mahogan in abuja that baby used to body also like you know i grew from some culture and every time the first slam i went the second slam i went ruth mahogan just kept winning she just kept taking the money i saw her last week friday and i was like babe is that yeah you could not you did not even allow any of us win anything she was just carrying the money like this babe is a consistent slam winner like back to back back to back and um she i don't think she's slamming anymore she has um she has allowed us she wants to give us space to win the money but um she's still she's still doing great here she's young she's i think she's around she's still in her 20s but babe babe is impacting lives like i listen to her her stuff and you know this is coming from a strong place kai ruth mahogany i respect you so much like i i love i love you and i respect you sometimes it brings tears to my eyes that um like love where were, where were you what were you doing like look at <laughs> i know she's not my mates age-wise but for somebody in her 20s for somebody that young um she inspires me a lot her poems are beautiful and they're about healing and the human story there's this poem dear ashley <clears throat> dear ashley is a strong um, that poem i listen to it on my dark days and i'm humbled i really i'm humbled sometimes it brings tears to my eyes <clears throat> And um, Ruth Maogani, she inspires me a lot. There's Titi Lopez Nuga, and there, there, are, there are a lot of people, a lot of my friends, um, Divine Young Titus. There's um, Raphael Indufreke, he's my, he was, he's my day one teacher. The guy actually taught me poetry, held my hand still when I can actually start finding um, food outside and learning outside you get um these people inspire me and they are foreign people foreign poets george the poet jackie hill perry jackie perry hill jackie hill perry i don't know if i'm pronouncing it well there's happiness it be um jesus christ i just got her happiness it be it's bassy it be um there are a lot of people a lot of people <laughs> there's posha posha ah posha is a national stamp champion in america i think there's really francisco um but coming back home i'll still call the people that have been inspiring me in my close circle dk chukumerije is like a father to us bash i mean any that man has inspired us that man has taught us like he has held our hands like inbox like inbox level dm level there was this time you're like okay love it this thing you are doing is not working do this I remember before I when I when I before I won my first ever competition um Kuba Got Talent, I went to meet Bash in amusement park. I said, Sir, I'm going for this competition. Help me. Like I've been I've been slamming since twenty seventeen. That twenty nineteen I was like, No, this one I said, Sir, please teach me. What will I do? Bash actually talked to me that that, that day and every step of the way he was there. Bash, Graciano, DK, like where she has inspired me a lot from from afar yeah Vasi Ikbi, i've listened to her poetry ah the list is long the list is long 
but but my close friends like my mate divine divine's poetry is beautiful divine young titles man that guy is that guy is a god ah no he's 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 yet to come out there but that guy is a god you listen you read his work and you're like jesus christ what am i doing with my life what am i doing <laughs> let me just stop there but i really appreciate all these people that you know you don't know what you're who you're inspiring or really you don't know who you're inspiring until you hear them tell you how much your work has helped them well that was a that was a very comprehensive list and i've also um had the honor or the opportunity to be in one of the k classes i think that was last year for elite fest um poetry workshop and he was so he was so he was awesome basically he taught us so much he taught us that same thing about simplicity about not having to be so complex when you write poetry but then still being able to give profound pieces and have this um this awesomeness this profoundness exude from your work when you write it just from that simplicity and then the humility really jumps out from him he's a very humble person very simple person so i i get your your faves would be this many because you are in a in a um community of people and i and it's really cool i find it really cool that the people that inspire you are close to you um basha muneni is close to you dk chikumereje is close to you with mahogany and all these other people that inspirations to you are close to you so um i would like like to ask because this this is the one question i like to ask spoken word poets because i i find it very shocking can i say shocking shocking that you guys come on stage and you just perform effortlessly no mistakes you don't forget your lines nothing so i like to ask how do you deal with anxiety on stage how do you cope with it um how we deal with anxiety on stage um first of all, let me put it out there what we, you guys see as ah these guys are performing effortlessly it's it's some it's birth from a lot of efforts i know you know that already but somebody like you that's that's this fluid and eloquent at what you do you know it comes with a lot of effort um back to the question um how we deal with anxiety on stage i don't think that i i can particularly share how to tips or tricks to that but um you know how people say find find um find home in stuff i don't know how to explain it but you know there's something mentally that suits you that um that just pet your rub your hair to your quiet i don't know if you understand there is maybe you think about somebody or something that makes that calms your nerve right um for me i don't exactly know where, what it is but when i go on stage i just try to focus on on anything that helps me breathe slowly that calms my nerves um on saturday i went for an event at a a food vendor opening um nestos in Geriki, and it was an outdoor event and i was a bit nervous for like two to five seconds so i was 
I was trying to la- find something mentally to latch on. I didn't find. I just looked around the stage and I saw this woman. She was smiling. She was smiling. Like her smile was so was so real. Like she was listening to what I was doing, what I was saying. Um, I was performing look again. She was smiling. Felt like felt like I was talking to her or I was affirming her to be beautiful. And I don't know. Her smile just made me feel so calm made me feel so calm i had to be selfish and focus on her for a while till i could i could really start um start looking at the crowd you get so it's easy to navigate after i had found my calm in in all of that i'm saying usually on stage there is no how to there are some people that knows what um that know rather what help them um deal with anxiety i just breathe I just remind myself that I am I am I'm I'm a good performer. I remind myself that I have done my homework, especially if I've done my homework, especially if I've rehearsed. Sabash will keep telling us, rehearse it, rehearse your line for like twenty, re- rehearse your poem for like twenty one times. See, if you rehearse for like twenty one times, there is something that does to you. What it does is that you know in your head. That you cannot forget your line i know that sounds too sure but if you rehearse for 21 times your brain is not thinking your brain is not thinking your line your brain is just supplying it supplying them to you i, I don't know if you, you get there are some prompts i cannot forget like by the grace of god of course but because this these things this poem i have i have i've done this from almost hundred times i cannot forget it so if you have done your work if you have rehearsed if you've practiced your line you do not even when you're anxious even when you're apprehensive on stage you will not forget and if you are not forgetting your lines people may not you may get away with being anxious you you know the lines will come there's nothing to be scared of so you just you just you, you know how you 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 may be addressed and you're bothered okay you somebody sees you in the dress and and you yourself okay why is this person looking at me something wrong with my cloth what you're wearing and then you ask you're asking yourself and you remember that you washed your clothes you ironed your clothes your your dress is not torn you get there's something it, it, it comes you it lets you know that you're looking good you're okay you get you you're reminded that okay you wore your perfume you wore your deodorant you're not smelling so don't be bothered so that's what it does to me too you rehearsed your line you practiced you you're well dressed you did your homework why are you scared why are you anxious do you understand that that's what it is for me for me i do my homework so when i go on stage and i'm anxious it just tells me my head tells me babe you've done your homework calm down there's nothing to be scared of calm down enjoy yourself and let god do the rest so that's how i deal with mine i can totally relate it looks like it's easy it looks like it's not that hard to do but then there you are in the in the middle of so many people or in front of so many people and then you just have to suck it up and do the, do the job and i like how you calm your anxiety it's a very reliable way of doing it it's a very um it's a very assured way of calming yourself down when you're in the midst of all of that and speaking of local girl we'll get to that we'll get to that later on but um as far as like performance and all of that goes did your first performance teach you anything you you, you mentioned that you've been on stage for 
basically forever since you were a child but then your first performance of spoken word poetry did it teach you anything and what was it like um if my first spoken word poetry performance taught me anything yes man um first of all let's focus on the good there were a lot of good things he taught me and that was that i was made for the stage i don't know that was my first performance and i blew a lot of people's mind and what he taught me was jesus what he taught me i said the thought what he taught me was if you are prepared you would feel at home you know honestly and to think i was not really really prepared but um then I, I didn't have a culture of writing and then going to memorize i was writing so so i write i correct and since i'm staying on the prompt for long it just sticks do you understand so for example let's say my first line is um let him the things he stands stand tall right that's the first line that's my first draft so the second draft will probably be let him stand tall the thing he stands so something like that so when i'm going back and forth back and forth with it i get to memorize it that's how my memorization works um in the beginning and now there are a couple of changes but i stayed on the poem for long so that so much that um the poem stayed with me so i've i learned personally how my mind works right i understood my mo from my first performance and i understood that i was made for the stage because i've been doing it for long and i was a people person that's what i learned but the biggest lesson i learned was um do not think your light will not shine because other people's lights are shining so um that was my first performance there was this girl it was an open mic a christian open mic um <laughs> there was this girl kj she's a beautiful spoken word poet so she performed and the house was they were awestruck man everybody was you know goosebumps snapping like the baby's the baby's spirit filled the baby's good at what she does you know when she was performing <laughs> I was so nervous. I was so scared. I was so intimidated. It was my first time now. I was so intimidated. I went to be like, I told them that I was not ready to perform that. I should put my name down, down, down the list. That I want to go and pee that I'll be having a series of visiting the, the, the toilet. That's how nervous I was. I was so scared. Like, nobody knows this story except my boyfriend. I, I told him. I think I told KJ. That was Gay's letter. Um, but we would have thought that I was scared that day you probably will not think so i have learned from that experience to to not look like your fears you know when people go on stage you don't even know what what is going on with them they go on stage um, people take pictures of them and you see these things and you you think they have it all put together somebody somebody that saw me on that stage that day a lot of people did not even believe that was my first time performing poetry but that was because they saw me put out my A game. Those guys do not know what what I had battled, the fear. Like I went to the bathroom many times. I was scared. Like I was scared. I had I had never performed poetry before. What if I forget my lines? What if Okay, I actually forgot my lines, but they didn't know because I, I, I since I was a singer, I just sang and was trying to remember my line and then I went back to performing my the poems. So people don't know what you go through until you show them 
they don't know you're nervous until you show them yeah there's some people that that are professionals in this that they'll see through you or people that know you people that know you will see through you that you're scared right or nervous but if you don't show people you're scared nobody will see it nobody will see that you don't know your lines some people will but nobody will see that you don't have it all put together people see what we, we let them see the whole show business is sometimes an, an illusion right people will not see what you don't show them people will see what you show them i have learned this from my first performance if in all of my fear and all of my apprehension nobody i i i pulled out a great show I, I got people shouting and snapping then there are a lot of things you can do if you just tell yourself that man i was meant for this i am meant for this i am going to go there and give my best so i have learned to face my fears i have learned that that people are great that people are best at what they do doesn't make you less of being the genius or the perfect or the beautiful artist that you are <laughs> I can imagine how that must have felt. You'd have been so scared and so confused as to what to do at that point. And thank you. Thank you for sharing this story with us. You mentioned that it was this is the first time you're telling anybody else except your boyfriend and KJ. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us. Um, so apart from poetry, do you write any other thing apart from poetry? Um, what other and what other genres do you explore aside poetry in terms of writing it? Um, in all honesty, but I I don't exactly do other genres. I don't do other forms. I just do spoken word poetry and songwriting. Um, I thought about trying a podcast sometime, but right now I just want to focus on poetry and songwriting. Um, the other time I was really broke, <laughs> especially during the COVID-19 lockdown and, you know, no event and everything. And I was thinking, what can I do? What can I write? How can I get writing jobs, freelancing jobs? You know, my friends were shouting Upwork, Fiverr, blah, blah, blah. I, I just realized that I, I was not exactly interested in any other form of writing besides spoken word poetry and writing songs. You know, during the lockdown, I started writing songs um, actively. Yeah, I did my first um, live recording session last year, October. So besides songwriting and spoken word poetry, I, I, I'm not really interested in writing any other forms. I read them a lot, of course. You have to read. But writing them, creating those other forms, I don't. Except page poetry. Sometimes I... I tried that out, page poetry. I tried that out, but I realized I actually don't want to write page poetry. Like I, every, you know how you want to try doing stuff, and when you try them, you want to go back to what you like doing. So sometimes I want to write page poetry. Discover that I am beginning to sound, it's beginning to sound like spoken word poetry. Sound like in that I'm writing to perform on stage. So. God poetry and um, songwriting for me, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, I just like that. A friend of mine was telling me, okay, cosmic of mine, not a friend of mine, was telling me how he read nothing like that eighty books during the lockdown, and I want to tell him how I read, how I, I, I wrote, re- rather, I read, 
why am I saying red? Why I wrote and listened to more than 300 spoken poetry videos. That is where my mind is at. You know, spoken word and songs. That's where it's at. Uh, you know, well, I can't really tell. You know, moving forward, you grow and then you get new interests. And you want to experiment on other things. But for now, just spoken word poetry and songwriting. So I think it's a good thing that you only do spoken word poetry because... um multiplicity in a way i feel like i personally think it's ruins things it makes doing things harder so when you focus on your spoken word poetry it makes it good it makes it much better than um someone that focuses on spoken word poetry and then other things so we can confidently say that um for now spoken word poetry is your one and only true love you're basically married to spoken word poetry so you've been giving us advice for people that are listening in and people that are observant enough you've been giving us pieces of advice and all of that but i'm going to ask again so that i can concentrate all the advice into this one answer what advice would you give upcoming spoken word artists what would you tell say a younger sister younger brother that's just starting out spoken word poetry um <laughs> okay what advice like you siba i would say learn your craft somebody was telling me yesterday um um she was asking if i learned spoken word poetry i was like i said yes i learned i paid for master classes i I belonged to a literary society. Like it cost me much. You get um, movement and all. I stay far away from the heart of the city, and then I'm schooling from school to Abuja Literary Society in town almost every Friday. It cost me stuff, and to think I it's just like a year or two I became so consistent. There are price to pay, and I I think people should be ready to pay for it. If you want to be doing this thing for, you know, you know the way people used to just wake up one. IVG and say they want to do special number if you want to be doing spoken word poetry like that it's cool whatever you whatever you think is your best and you're cool at that by all means just stay where you are but if we want to be given the importance and the recognition which we think we deserve then we should be ready to pay the price we should put in work research your craft the same thing my bosses be telling me is the same thing I be telling people. Sabash, we say, research your craft, put in work. That's it. Put in work, research your craft. And I read this story by Graciano yesterday on his Facebook timeline, and I was touched. He was talking about getting a good network. In this poetry hustle, we don't really have an industry per se. You want to build your network. While you are good at what you are doing, you have to build your network and be conscious of the business of it. We don't say stuff. We don't we 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 don't speak up as we should. Like by that I mean, spoken word poets are usually taken for granted. That time, but they they'll just invite us for event. They invite me. Let me talk for my myself. Um, uh, sister, I love it. We want we having this prayer. I want you to come and do that. Your spoken that your spoken word something. Uh, we, we could give you transport, you know, something like that. And you know, little beginnings and all, it's it wasn't insulting until you begin to put in work. When you begin to put in work on your craft, 
in your craft rather you begin to see that some things some some value they place on you it's so insulting in the face of the effort you put in and it began to be insulting when i started to put in work there was this time somebody said um he wanted to invite me for lord dinner in school and he said this and i think this person was a part like myself said and l3 how far you know you, you know for like come perform for lord dinner i was like well i i really would love to what are you guys offering he said offering if we give you if we give you transport give you food chop you know go happy you know when he said that i just laughed it was it wasn't so bad like it wasn't so bad because then I, that was 2017 2018 it was it was negligible of course i felt insulted but i just kept quiet but these days i, I turn back and look at it and tell myself the truth why it didn't come as a slap to my face was because i i was not working so hard right now if anybody tell me that kind of stuff i will block you <laughs> i'll block you do i look hungry to you i don't i even 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 what i wear for performances if, if you want to price what i wear it's more than whatever transport you will offer me or whatever you think you are doing and it comes from the consciousness Sagraciano is preaching about packaging. There are a lot of my senior friends that have been preaching packaging. We need to be packaging more. And these days, poets don't... You know, the average poet wants to wear one kind polo and one kind... They just want to dress nerdy and all of that and come for an event. And this is show business. I want to say, as my bosses keep saying, we should package this art. It is it is show business. Poetry may not be all entertaining as people think. They think it's an elite craft. It's an elite art form, you know, for the um, bourgeois. We have days to pronounce that word. <laughs> they think it's for the intellectual and all. But it is show business. And we need to package it as, as such. We need to get more serious. Get more business minded. Do you understand? I, 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 that's what I would say to my younger self. That's what I would say to... A younger poet or to my fellow poets we need to package more we need to get more serious right and research your craft know know your onions even though people will take you for granted know your onions and if when you see when you walk back you your confidence increase like you know you're putting work especially when you're even putting financial resources into it you know you're putting work your confidence will increase nobody will tell you will come and be telling you crap Nobody will come and be underpricing you and you will not feel... Sometimes, of course, I even go for events up until now that some, sometimes they don't really pay. Sometimes it's just transport. But you know these people are offering something. They're offering network. Know what you are giving. In What you are giving and know what you are taking. Let's be conscious of it. That's why I would say research your craft. Package yourself and be conscious of the business of, of, of this poetry. If that is what you want to do. If you just want to be doing it as, you know, the, more just the pastime, it's cool. Enjoy yourself. Go and do poetry in open mics. Go and do it in church. They'll clap for you and tell you you're going to places and you flex and write on the euphoria. But if you are ready for this, if you wanted to pay your bills one day, put in work. I, I love that you mentioned um, how the whole exposure thingy exposure in quotes uh actually amongst upcoming poets because that's upcoming writers poets creatives basically there's this meme i saw where there was a tombstone for a writer and then they put that he died from too much exposure 
that was what was on the tombstone. So I I particularly hate when um people want to, especially a person that said that you should come and perform at a law dinner for free. That you'd be lucky getting food and money for transport. People, especially, and I feel like it's particularly in Nigeria, people don't value arts and people don't value artists. So it's very common. And so I think it's a very good thing that you're telling young, that what you, you tell young poets to not, young spoken word artists, to not, um, to not allow people walk all over them because of exposure in quotes and to value themselves and to work and to put um put um increase their work and increase their work ethic to increase that which would in turn increase their confidence so i i like that i like that you you mentioned this because this is something that uh, we see every day it's something that has been used to exploit a lot of artists and all of that so for your piece um local girl you know i said we we're going to get back to it so this is me coming back to it um i listened to it during als um poetry jam was it book jam with the zimbabwe arts council that was the first time i heard it and i absolutely loved it congratulations on um publishing it this year so the themes in the um poem or in the piece are largely political they are simple but then they are largely political so could you talk about the poem and um the piece and the process of writing it and all of that lokage <laughs> that poem um that poem was me looking into myself and asking what influences what and what influences my preference to things why do i prefer a dark-skinned guy why do i prefer spicy food to drunks and all these big big you know super super kind of meals why do i like this why do i like that why do i like why do i like curvy women um as opposed to slim or skinny why do i like thick like why what what is influencing this and um i realized that it's because i am african now it's not because i've not seen otherwise not because i have not been exposed to otherwise um when i said um lokage is home-baked she is well-bred quite educated lokage is well-read yet she never said farewell to the ways of her brethren um that was me see i like foreign movies i've seen a lot of foreign movies i've seen a lot of cultures but the african culture still resonates with me still still has soul to, for me still it seems to have a lot of liveliness have, have a lot of god complex like there's something about the african society the african culture the african people their body their food their creative culture like even if you listen to black americans sing their riffs and run is their riffs and runs are beautiful they are deep oh god yeah is it their spirituals like you hear them sing you you there's soul there's depth there's a story to it like it feels like there's a story to everything about the african creative culture is it our books go and read things all apart look at proverbs 
look at parables um how did chino actually put it that proverbs are the palm oil be with which we eat words like everything about the african people are beautiful i know we have our own score score i know we have our problems just like every every community but we are beautiful really and look i get for me was was how best i could put it out there maybe i'm trying to avoid the whole look i get was a political piece maybe i am um because i i have this apathy towards politics but i know living is political i know um but that's me choosing africanness over everything if i were to choose right (laughs) (laughs) um so i can say that this poem is about you okage was about you and and I, i agree africa is really great it's really an awesome place to come from and appreciating everything that is african is really the best that we can do for ourselves because this is who we are nobody's going to change that we can't change ourselves nothing can happen to change who we are so we've come to the end of the interview but before we leave i would love i would love and i'm sure our listeners would love to hear you perform something for us because you just gave us like a little snippet when you answered the question just now so could you perform something for us <laughs> okay um so let's do something um i i okay let's do something about love oh i'm feeling like you guys some some people be like uh i know female poets always talking about love but yeah i'm going to do it regardless of that stereotype like i get it a lot we get it a lot you know go for slams on that uh female poets always about stereotypes at this point in my life i don't right now the place i'm at i don't bother about so many things socially conscious fine you guys reflect have a lot of socially conscious forms that i don't even think about right now let me just do love something soft um so let's go this one is titled how you died they say suicide was how you died. Said you took those good old memories of you and him. You turned them into a noose and lynched yourself with it. All the good he once did that rocked your boat. All you sailed this with. The stale kisses, the frail wishes that someday you'd be his missus. You stayed sniffing the sweet scent of what existed and tricked yourself into not perceiving all the shit he was dishing while wishing things were different. I guess no one warned you about boys who love with hearts like nomads. Boys always on the move like migrants, like fast cars. And you loved this boy. The genitals too omnipresent to make you home. To him, you were just a warm bed in a cold night somewhere at his crossroad. So as early as cockcrow, he moves on to the next girl. What you don't know is his belly is the size of a pit waiting to be filled with kisses of women like you in their hundreds. But you eventually knew, didn't you? Then why didn't you spit out his name from your mouth? Look at you now. A woman with an issue of blood because your heart do not stop bleeding. Yet you do not stop needing this knife of a man under your sheets. 
waiting for him is to you a ritual as going and coming is to him habitual when he knocks on your door with the backpack full of heart he's broken your arms fly open you welcome him in you feed meats of you into his teeth kiss after kiss moan after moan and when he leaves with his belly filled you're left cold and alone with with this souvenir of burning desire Loneliness returns with a tongue of fire, tells you it's just you left in this dance floor, yet you turn your relentless love into a lab. You diagnose different ailments for your legs. You diagnose different ailments for your legs. Yesterday was arthritis, today is a rupture. Any defect to convince yourself that your legs are not in a good state to walk away. Any defect to convince yourself that your legs are not in a good state to walk away, that you were stalking away. So they said, suicide was how you died. Said you took those good old memories of you and him. You turned them into a noose and lynched yourself with it. Thank you. <laughs> Woo! I hope you can hear my snaps. That was beautiful. That was awesome, love it. I loved the um the reference to the woman with the issue of blood. And I think, yeah, people would say that um female poets write about love and all of that. I think that's a very stupid stereotype, actually. Because I don't write about love. I don't I don't I don't even <laughs> and I know a lot of um female poets who can't write about love. Like love is not their topic. And this particular poem isn't actually a love poem it's a heartbreak poem so it's beautiful it was lovely love it and um with this we've come to the end thank you so much for talking to us for sharing personal details with us for letting us into your mind letting us into your process your background everything thank you so much Thank you, thank you, Aisha, for having me. Thank you, Poet Box. I'm honored. I'm honored. I I appreciate this. And it was fun chatting with you. Like you, you make talking easy or sweet, and you get it. Like there's some people that get you, and you just want to keep talking. You you're one of those people that that just gets somebody, and it's cool. Thank you once again. I enjoyed myself. I'm happy that made you feel that way. Love it it was awesome having you as well and thank you so much thank you bye all right that was me your favorite host in conversation with lovet liberty make sure to tune in again on next episode and also expect some goodies from us real soon goodbye